0: again reading in verse number 32 tonight and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own but they had all things common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the lord jesus and great grace was upon them all neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many that were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. and Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joses, who was by the apostles, was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. These are some exciting days in the early church of the book of Acts. I'm talking about, you talk about exciting days. I mean, one sermon, 3,000 people get saved. Another sermon, 5,000 people get saved. And unlike a lot of churches, they didn't say, all right, hope to see y'all at church. They all showed up at church, got baptized and joined and got involved. I don't know about you, that's pretty exciting to me. It's what's going on here at the church here in Jerusalem And we dealt with Sunday morning about, or two weeks ago, we dealt with the attacks from without the first persecution. And then this past Sunday morning, during the Sunday school hour, we preached about the attacks from within concerning the uh, Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Ghost. But as I was preaching Sunday morning, I noticed something that I've never noticed before. Some of you called it when I said it, and I've been meditating on it, and I can't get it off my mind. I said, well, I'm going to preach it Sunday. Uh, I was riding home last night. I said, I'm, I'm going to study that and preach it Sunday. Woke up this morning, had this on my heart and my mind, and couldn't get nothing else on my heart and mind. So I'm going to preach it tonight, all right? And and I'm not going to give you my title till the end of the sermon. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to make my case, and you stay with me, all right? Look at verse number 36 and verse 37. And Josephs, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which has been interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm interested tonight in this man Barnabas, who was a Levite and his lamb. Now this this ain't structured like I want it structured. So just bear with me, but let me just get get what's on my heart on yours tonight. i got four categories, four things I want to look at tonight about studying this thought. First of all, I want to talk about the summary of a Levite. What is a Levite? What is the importance? What is significant about the fact that, that Luke tells us that Barnabas was a Levite? What is significant about that? Who are the Levites? Well, the Levites are the descendants of a man named Levi. Levi was the third son of the marriage relationship between Jacob and Leah in Genesis chapter number 29. The Bible says in Genesis twenty-nine thirty-four, and she, speaking of Leah, conceived again, and bare a son, and said, "Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi." And so Levi is the third-born son uh, to Jacob. And Leah thought that because uh, you know, remembering the story about Jacob, Leah and Rachel, they were two sisters. Jacob loved Rachel, and he wanted to marry Rachel. And he worked seven years for Laban. And I still don't know how they done this, but somehow uh, Le- uh, Laban. Uh, switch girls that night and instead of marrying Rachel he ended up marrying Leah uh, and the Bible said Leah was tender eyed and I love what the Bible said he woke up and behold it was Leah Uh, surprise surprise I I mean and so so uh, he, he the Bible never tells us that he loved Leah but obviously he did he kept having kids with her and every time that Leah had a child she thought that that child would cause Jacob to love her Levi was one of those childs, in fact, children. In fact, his name means to be joined to. And that indicates the heart of Leah. Now, my husband, talking about his heart be joined to my heart. That's who Levi is. Levi is not a perfect man, though. In Genesis chapter number 49, here's what Jacob says about Levi and his brother Simeon. He said, You were instruments of cruelty in their habitation. And he talks about the fact that in Genesis chapter number 34, when Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land and they defiled her, Dinah was Levi's sister. Those men defiled her. Uh, That Levi and Simeon went and they had all the men to be circumcised if they was going to marry Dinah. And while they had been circumcised, when they were healing, Levi and Simeon go in and kill all the men in the city because they could not defend themselves. And here's what Jacob said about him. said, you're instruments of cruelty. But it's interesting that, that the sons of Aaron, who are the tribe of Levi. Moses was of the tribe of Levi. It is that crowd that God chose to be over the tabernacle and the temple. Somebody, and I preached the other week, I believe that God chose Levi when they stood in Exodus 32. After the fatty, after that uh, golden calf had been made by Aaron, everybody's worshipping Moses comes out the mountain and says, who's on the Lord's side? And Levi stepped forward. And I believe that's when God chose Levi uh, to be over the, the administration of the temple and the tabernacle. Now what was their job description? Well, Numbers chapter 1 verse 50. But thou shalt appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony and over all the vessels thereof and over all the things that belong to it. They shall bear the tabernacle and all the vessels thereof and they shall minister unto it and shall encamp around the tabernacle. Here's what God is saying through Moses. He said, I want the Levites to be in charge of the instruments, uh, to be in charge of of the tabernacle, uh, to be in charge of the ark of the covenant to be in charge of the golden the labor and the and the, uh, the scepter all those things i want him to be in charge of all of that it's going to be their job to set the tabernacle up and to tear the tabernacle down in fact here's what i want levi to do i want him to encamp around the tabernacle in other words the lord was saying i want levi's life to revolve around my house that's what levi did in fact they 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 made their tents to go around the tabernacle their life evolved around church Leviticus 18 it says and the said in the Lord, send the heir, and thou and thy sons and thy father's house shall be with, shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary, and thou and thy sons shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood, and thy brethren also the tribe of Levi, the tribe of thy father, bring thou with thee, they may be joining thee and ministering to thee, and bring thou thy sons. what he's saying is, I want generations of the sons of Levi to be in charge of the tabernacle. Are y'all with me? That was Levi's job. that's the summary of the levites their life was designed by god to be completely dedicated to the service of god in the house of god that's my first point you believe my first point of my case the summary of the levites secondly i want us to note the statement by the lord in studying the history and the backgrounds of the levites we note something interesting said about the lord we know there was God's will to get his children out of the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, that land flowing with milk and honey. Levi is a part of that, that tribe of Levi. But it's interesting that when God is giving commandment to Moses, on several different occasions, he'll make this statement. Deuteronomy 10, verse 8 and 9, for instance. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part or inheritance with his brethren The Lord is his inheritance. Here's what the Lord meant. He'll say that in Deuteronomy 18. He'll say that in Joshua 18. Numbers 18. He said the Levites do not have an inheritance, but the Lord is their inheritance. Here's what that meant. Levi did not have a portion of the land of Canaan given to him to inherit and dwell in. He didn't have any land given to him. Here's what his his inheritance was. The Bible said the Lord was his inheritance. Now some people be discouraged by that. I mean, here's Levi. Uh, He's been serving God. His life revolves around the tabernacle. His life revolves around making sure that church happens. And now they get to the land of Canaan. And God says, Levi, you don't get no land. But you get me. The Lord is his inheritance. Now here's a blessing about that. Reuben lost his land. Gad lost their land. They lost hell because of the Babylonian captivity. But you can't lose the Lord. He had an eternal inheritance. The Bible says in Psalm 16, 5, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The land other tribes inherited would eventually be taken away. And even to this day, the Muslims and the UN are trying to take that land from Israel. But Levi will never lose his inheritance. Because the Lord is his inheritance. So there's the summary of the Levites. There's the statement by the Lord. Now let's go back to Acts 4. There's the selling of the land. Watch our text, verse 36. And Josephs who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation. Watch what he is. He's what? A Levite. And of the country of Cyprus, verse 37, having land. He sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We learn in this verse tonight that Barnabas was a Levite, but yet he owned land. There's much controversy over this. I pulled four preachers off the shelf today. And when I say four preachers, that's books. A preacher told me years ago, when you pull a a book off the shelf, that's a preacher. And he's writing, he's preaching to you. And none of them agree with me. I called two of my friends. They didn't agree with me. Brother Reese liked what I said. But I was struggling with it last night. I was struggling with it. And there was a preacher in the meeting where I was in last night who is a Jew, he has Jewish descent, and he ministers to the Jews. He has a ministry reaching the Jews for Jesus Christ. By the way, a Jew has to get saved the same way a Gentile does, by grace through faith in Jesus. And he goes to churches, and he'll preach on Jewish customs, and a great Bible teacher. And, and, and I went up to him after church. I said, Brother Sasser, I got a question. I said, God never changed his mind about the Levites on the land, did he? He said, no. The Levites were never to own any land because their service and their, and their purpose was to be centered at the house of God. He said, in fact, Caiaphas, the high priest, had a house. If you study out the Gospels. And that was against the Mosaic law. So I asked him, why has Barnabas got land? And his eyes lit up. He didn't know. Barnabas is a Levite. But he owns land. There are some men I read that said that they believed that the custom might have changed in Cyprus. But Brother Sasser said that is not the case. God never changed his law about the Levite. He never recorded the change. I think if God was going to change the law, he'd let us know. Yes, sir. So here's my thought. I'm making my case. I believe Barnabas in our text is getting right with God. I believe he has land. He is a Levite. His birthright, his purpose is for his life to be centered around the temple, the house of God. But he's allowed this world to get a hold of him. And he's got a hold of this world. But something is happening in Jerusalem. Something is stirring in Jerusalem. This man named Jesus who said he was the Messiah has been betrayed and crucified. And rumor has it, he got up and he's alive. And now there's these preachers running around preaching the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And people are getting saved. And people, are, their lives were being changed. A lame man was sitting by the gate of the temple. I saw him every day. And now he's walking and leaping in the house of God. I've never seen anything like this. In fact, in verse 31, they began to pray and the place was shaken. And I believe Barnabas is getting right with God. His desire and purpose, and God's will for his life was to be a Levite, to serve God. But he's allowed the world to cause some attachment in his life. He's got possessions in this world. He's got treasure on earth. Oh, but he's seen what God's doing in Jerusalem. And I believe he went and God's stirring in his heart. God begins to save people. Prayer becomes a priority. The place is shaking where they've been assembled. People are selling things and bringing the money to the apostles' feet to meet the financial needs of the ministry. And no doubt, Barnabas is enjoying seeing God work and blessing this church. But then the Spirit of God reminds him, this is not what you were meant to be. You were not to have possessions in this world. of oh, your life. Of All the way back in the Old Testament, it was stated that you were to be saved. So Somebody whose life was dedicated to the house of God. He's reminded of the fact that Levi had no inheritance, but rather the Lord was his inheritance. And God began to stir in his heart. And Barnabas is reminded that his calling and purpose in life was to be devoted to eternal matters and not earthly matters. So you know what he does? He goes and puts a for sale sign up in his yard. He goes and you know what he does? He sells out to God. And here's why I believe he's getting right with God. He brought all the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He didn't keep a profit. He didn't keep anything. He went, he'd come back, and, and, and I'm making my case now, and I believe I made a pretty good case. He, he comes and he brings all that money to the apostles' feet and gives it as a true sign of genuine repentance. He just gave everything to God. And from this time forward, he's no longer known as Joses, which means exalted. But the apostles surnamed him Barnabas, which means son of consolation, Or an encouragement. I'm going to tell you something that encourages a preacher. When somebody comes down to the altar and says, Preacher, I'm tired of living for this world. I'm tired of having connections. I'm giving God everything. Can you see old Peter and John saying, Praise God, we ain't seen that in a while. Boy, ain't that a blessing. This man's getting right with God. Think about the effect. Are you all with me? Think about the effect it had in Barnabas' life. Acts 9. There's this fella. He's raking havoc on the church. And all of a sudden, God reaches down and saves the pudding out of him. He gets born again. His name's Saul. But everybody's scared of him. They've heard he's got saved, but they don't believe it. But you know who walks up? The Bible said in Acts 9, 27, and Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. You know what Barnabas did? Barnabas went and got a convert that nobody believed really got it. And so I wanted to know, I've seen the, I've seen the evidence of a change in this man's life. And Barnabas was a blessing to the young preacher Saul. Acts 11 here's what was said about Barnabas he was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Ghost. And much people were added to the Lord. Acts thirteen two. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Wow. Barnabas says, you know what he's doing? He ain't having to cut that grass anymore. He's not keeping up that property anymore. But he's available to go help a young preacher. He's available to go minister in the church. He's available for God to call him, and him and Saul set out on the first missionary journey and established churches. Why? Because he has no more attachment to this world. The point is, when Barnabas got right with God, he sold his land and was. Able to fully commit to the work of God, I understand in acts fifteen there 's that disagreement between Barnabas and Saul there 's who who is right, who' is wrong that 's not the point of this message. The point is that Barnabas spent the rest of his life preaching the gospel and spent the rest of his day serving God. Yes, the summary of the Levites, the statement by the Lord, the selling of the land, but the spiritual lesson yeah. what 's this mean to us tonight? When well, Revelation chapter one, the Bible says and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sins in his own blood. And he hath made us kings and priests. That's where the Levites were, unto God. That that term priest simply means one who has dedicated his life to serving God. You know what this means? Every day we live, we are to serve God with everything we have. Is that not right? So here's what I want to preach on for the next four minutes. Here's my title. You ready? Do you have any land for sale? You got anything that's holding you back from serving God completely? Are the earthly things holding you back from serving God? I'm not talking about your physical land and property and home. We understand that. We don't don't believe the Old Testament economy where the preacher lives like the Levites. Somebody help me. Amen. That's not what we're talking about. But I'm talking about this. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures treasures on earth, where moth and rust is corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust is corrupt, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You got any land for sale? You got anything that's holding you back that's earthly and carnal the Lord says, you know, you could serve me a whole lot better if that wasn't in your life. You could commit to me a whole lot more if this wasn't an area in your life. You got any land for sale? Things hold us back. Things hinder us. Things try to steal our attention, our lower Hey, listen to me tonight. We, we have to have money. We have to have houses. We have to have food. We have to pay our bills. Amen. I'm not talking about we all, all sell everything going full-time ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about just those things that so easily beset us. That hinder us. Are you all picking up what I'm laying down? That hinder us from being more effective in serving God. Do you have any land for sale? Are you living for the temporal or for the eternal? Are you living for things which are seen or living for the things which are not seen? Are you living for the things that the thieves can break through and steal and the rust and corrupt? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Do you have any land for sale? You know what a lot of us here do tonight in our hearts? Put up a for sale sign in our heart. And say, you know what? I don't need this. This is hindering me from serving God. It might be something you're watching. It might be something you're listening to. It might be somewhere you go. It might be a habit. It might be whatever it is. I'm not talking about property tonight. But I'm talking about those things that steal your effectiveness to serve God completely. Do you have any land for sale? You know, we talk about over there Naboth wouldn't sell his vineyard. He told Ahab, you know, the Lord forbid it me." But you know what? A lot of people, a lot of people have sold out to the devil. That's what Saul did. I preached, or uh, um, uh, Esau, I preached on Esau a few months ago on the sad story of a sellout, how he sold out for his, he sold his birthright for one bowl of pottage. If we're going to sell out tonight, we ought to sell out to the one that bought and paid for us. The one that bought us with his own blood, purchases. Paul said in Acts 26. Acts 20, 26 through 28. You got any land for sale? You got anything that's hindering? You know, one man said that when the devil came to Jesus, he offered him the kingdoms of the world. One man said, well, the devil's never offered me that. One preacher said, yes, because we sell out for so much less. What's hindering us? What's holding us back? I tell you, if we all tonight done some research in our hearts and lives, there might be some areas we need to put a for sale sign up in. I'm not talking about making a financial profit. I'm talking about saying, Lord, I don't want this to hinder me from serving God. I know it gets quiet when you preach like this because we're all afraid of what God's going to put His finger on. But you know what? There shouldn't be an area of our life that he does not have free reign to put his finger on. Do you have any land for sale? Barnabas. And I understand people can make a case against this. But the principle of what I preach tonight is true. Whether or not this is what I case about Barnabas, y'all know I don't surmise when I preach. This is very rare for me to surmise. But I believe i got enough scripture to prove what I preach tonight. I've tried to make a case. Now here's the jury, you're the verdict. You got any land for sale? Is there anything in your life that is hindering you from serving God completely? Do you have any land for sale? Let's stand. Whether Matthew's going to play a verse of invitation, perhaps.